Hello, and welcome back to the Same Goodbye Podcast. This is episode number two, What is Grief? And my personal experience with grief. So first of all, grief is a natural response to a loss. It is the process of experiencing the psychological, behavioral, social, and physical reactions to the perception of loss. It's a continual developmental process and it is not static. The intensity of grief is dependent on the individual's perception of the loss and may not be socially recognized or validated by others. And that's something that's also known as disenfranchised grief. And that's going to be in another podcast where I go more in depth with that one. But grief is something that can also be stress, stressful. And Elizabeth Harper Needle, PhD, wrote, Grieving is hard work and takes a huge toll on our bodies. When we are responding to a loss, the part of our brain where responses are integrated increase the production of CRH, a hormone that produces anxiety-like symptoms. Emergency mobilizing chemicals are released. As our stress increases, the chemical levels increase and our central nervous system becomes highly stimulated. Our breathing may become more defective. Biological rhythms of sleeping and eating are disturbed. Our digestion, metabolism, circulation, and respiration change. Our ability to concentrate and pay attention decreases. You may have heard people say, or you may have experienced when you're going through grief, losing your keys, not being able to remember things, just feeling out of sorts, not feeling hungry, not being able to sleep. All of that is part of the grief process. And if you were a caregiver for a loved one, It can take up to a year before you go back to your normal sleep pattern or sleep rhythm. Because with caregiving, sometimes you're listening out for your loved one. And so your body kind of gets used to that. And so it can take up to a whole year before your body kind of relaxes back to whatever your normal sleep pattern routine was. So there's the physical toll Also, socially, if you always did things as couples and now your spouse is gone, you kind of feel like, oh, wait, it was always the two of us. I'm not comfortable doing it solo. That's another part of it. Also, people with good intentions, oh, come for dinner. And you might not feel up to being with people. And to know that that's okay. And again, there's no one way nor right way of grieving. And I think the biggest factor is grief controls you. You don't control it. And I remember when my mom passed, I was away at college. 
I came home, we had the services, I went back to school. When my dad died, I took three days of bereavement, went back to work. Then my brother died and it was like, wait a minute. I couldn't just go back to work. I couldn't just fall in line and do what I always did. And so all of a sudden I had all this ungrieved grief come up. And so it was a time of taking this like personal journey of who am I? What is it I believe? Not what did my parents believe? What was I taught to believe? But what did Tony believe? And in taking that journey, some people thought I was crazy. Well, why isn't she working? You know, people are going to have their opinions. And at the end of the day, you have to do what feels right to you. And so it was a very hard time for me because I didn't really understand what was going on. But there was just something in me was like, you can't just keep doing what you always did. And so as I unpacked my grief, I got to discover more of Tony and kind of get to know Tony. And that sounds kind of weird to say as an adult, but it's true. And I think when our parents are alive, we want their approval. And I know my dad used to always say, you get you a good government job or a job with good benefits and you stay. And that worked for his day, but that's not my generation. And so in finding what I believed, I think I also got in touch with my higher self, if that makes sense. Because so often, I think we get in our comfort zone. And for me, at least, my comfort zone was me existing and not truly living. And there's an old, I don't know if you want to call it a wise tale, about if you put a frog in simmering water, it'll stay there until it dies. But if you put it in boiling water, it will jump right out. Because it's like, oh, this is hot. But you can only, you can simmer a frog to death. And it's like, in my comfort zone, there was a part of me that was just existing and not fully living. Now I had a good life, so I don't want to make it sound like my life wasn't good. I had a good life, but there was so much more to me that I had not tapped into. And again, by going through the grief process, I had that opportunity. And so what does that mean? How does that look? Well, for me, it looked like going to grad school because it felt right. And normally, especially if you're going to pay all that money for grad school, you're going because you're going to get X job to make X amount of dollars. And that wasn't for me. It was like, oh, wow, this program, it resonates with my soul. Now, if I had told my dad, hey, dad, I'm going to grad school because the program resonates 
face with my soul, he would have been like, what? What are you talking about? Now, he still would have been encouraging because it was school and he was very much into education, but he would not have understood something resonating with my soul, but it worked for me. And this is my life. And so I think that's one of the blessings of going through the grief process is to find out what works for you. And that's something no one else can tell you. You have to be willing to try out different things. And no, some people are going to have judgments about it. But there was a book by Terry Coe Whitaker that says, what you think of me is none of my business. So also I think in life, we have to have a thick skin and just know, wait, this is my life. And also you're going to make turns that don't turn out. I had decided when I left corporate America, I'm opening a restaurant. And I, I put all this money into it. And I didn't do it. And do you know, probably for, I don't know, two to three years after I decided not to do it, I still have people asking me, Tony, what's going on with your restaurant? My cousin asked, what's she doing? Where's her restaurant? And so there was a part of me that felt embarrassed, that felt shame, that felt like a failure. But there was also a part of me that knew that wasn't for me. And I needed to have that experience to bring me to where I was supposed to be. And there's a power in that. And some people are going to come with you and some people aren't. And that's okay because we all have our own paths to travel. And it's like how they say when one door closes, another one opens. And I think that's true also for relationships. And another important piece when you're grieving is understanding people have different grieving patterns. For example, and this is not all, but for a lot of men, they like to be able to do something, whether they're building something they need to do. And they may not have a lot of words when they're grieving. For women, they like to talk it out and to keep talking and to keep talking till they don't need to talk anymore. So if you have someone who likes to build and someone who likes to talk, they may not be able to support one another because they have different um, ways of doing it. And also you have people who are thinkers and thinkers experience and speak of their grief intellectually and physically. They are most comfortable with speaking accurate information, analyzing the facts, making informed decisions, and taking action to solve problems. They'll also remain strong and may appear detached of their emotions. Then you have another group of people who are feelers. Feelers experience a full, rich range of emotions in response to grief. They're comfortable with strong emotions and tears. They are sensitive to their own feelings and to the feelings of others as well. Since they feel strong emotions so deeply, 
they're less able to rationalize and intellectualize the pain of grief and more likely to appear overwhelmed and devastated about it, by it. So if you have a thinker, they're going to ask you, what happened? Tell me the details. And they're asking that not to be nosy, but because they need to process it. And if you have a thinker, maybe a, one sibling's a thinker and another sibling is a feeler, they're going to clash in their grieving. And so I think a big part of going through the grief process is being able to get support from someone who may not be in your family. Because usually families want to come together, want to support one another. But grief really is an individual process. And so I always recommend to people, get outside support. Because if you're a thinker, you're going to be asking detailed questions so you can process it. While a feeler is all about talking about it, their emotions, how they're feeling. And a thinker can be upset by a feeler, which makes sense. And that's why if you go to a neutral party, someone outside of the family, they can hold that space for you to be how you, however you show up. And I would say I'm definitely a feeler. And I would say my sister is a thinker. We're very different. So if we were to lean on each other, after time, that could become problematic. And also, I think it's another reason to get outside support when you're going through the grieving process, because every person has their own unique relationship to the person who passed. And with my sister, yes, we both lost a brother, but we both had our own unique relationship with him. And the same thing for our parents. So while I may say, oh, he was so much fun, she may view him as, wow, he was very serious. And we're both right because that was our experience. And so to recognize we grieve differently, that grief is a natural response to a loss. You can have people who experience grief that are thinkers and they'll need information. Then you have others that are feelers that want to talk about emotions. And recognize there's not a timeline on grief. It's been decades since I lost family members. And while I'm at peace with it, I still miss them. And I know they're not coming back. But there's, there's a part of me that will always miss them. And that's okay. And I think sometimes we have to be willing to give permission to know there's a part of me that's always going to miss them. So I thank you for tuning in. I look forward to the next meeting. Thank you and take care.